Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, songwriter, author, worship leader, an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene, and most recently, a hospital chaplain. The Voices in My Head podcast is where I discuss things that are on my mind, the voices in my head. Music, movies, books, pop culture, theology, and more are all on the table as I discuss them here with friends and colleagues and sometimes just by myself, processing what I'm learning in the moment. Make sure to let me know what you think of today's episode by leaving me a review on iTunes, tweeting to me at Rick Lee James on Twitter, and by joining my mailing list at rickleejames.com where you can receive an email every time a new episode is released. By the way, in case you are interested in a daily dose of kindness and encouragement beyond this podcast, I also run the Twitter account at Mr. Rogers Save, where I post daily quotes from Fred Rogers, one of the loudest voices in my head, which is ironic because he was such a quiet person. Also, if you do want to be notified about all of my latest releases, not just this podcast, sign up for email notifications on my Substack page found at rickleejames.substack.com. Well, I guess that's it for the intro, so let's get to the latest episode of Voices in My Head, the Rick Lee James Hey friends, Rick Lee James here. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. I wanted to let you all know that this episode was recorded on location in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I was actually a guest on the Michael in the Middle podcast. Michael Johnson is an old friend of mine, and uh, he has a great podcast that I really wanted you to hear. And um, he was gracious enough to have me on as a guest on March 20th, 2023. Uh, I was actually in town uh, because of Fred Rogers' 95th birthday birthday celebration, which was held at the Steinway Piano Gallery, and uh, I believe you're going to get to hear a little bit about that on the podcast today, but you can find Michael in the Middle on YouTube, you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts, but I wanted to uh, give you a chance to listen to the audio of this, although if you go uh, to the Michael in the Middle YouTube channel, you'll be able to watch our conversation. Uh, It was a really nice time sitting in some comfy leather chairs and uh, having this conversation. Uh, Michael was so gracious to, to interview me, ask me about uh, my life and what I'm doing with it and my music and my podcast and all kinds of stuff. And uh, I just really appreciate him and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to share what he's doing on my program, Voices in My Head. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with me and Michael Johnson on the Michael in the Middle podcast. Hey, I'm Michael and this is Michael in the Middle. It's an intergenerational relational podcast for people who are interested in better human interaction interaction. I'm glad you're here. Hey, welcome in uh, to episode 31. Um, Does the number 31 mean anything to you? 31. I wore 31 in softball, church softball for a while. That's that's about (laughs) the only attachment to 31 right now. Or 30 wonderful flavors, right? There you go. Baskin Robbins. That's right. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. good stuff. I haven't had Baskin Robbins forever. So, yeah. <laughs> this is uh, Rick Lee James, a friend of mine of, of many years. And as is often the case, a purple river runs through it. Mm-hmm. Trebekah Purple. Um, I think that's how we first came in contact with each other. Although your folks had a connection to Dixon County and Jason Chapel and Camp Garner Creek and all that way back, right? Yeah, I used to, I went to high school in Dixon and that's actually where I met your dad the first time because he was always coming over to the campground. Um, and the, the EBs, you know, that worked right. there, they were good friends with them. So I worked in the dish room on Camp Garner Creek for a while. <laughs> and then uh, I graduated up to lawnmower uh, right before I went to Trevecca. So my last summer was mowing yards all at the campground. Oh, that's that. great. Those were good times. Sometimes I, I wish I could go back to them. That was a, that was a good time in my what, life. What is it about certain places, you know, yeah. just patches of ground that, kind of get a hold of you. I mean, that that, that area down there on, yeah. uh, you know, Garner Creek and Sam Hollow Road, that that's very special to our family. And mm-hmm. I, I recognize that there are probably a lot of people who would be listening or watching who, 
what are you guys talking about? <laughs> well, I'm talking about a place that has shared experiences mm-hmm. that end up meaning a lot to you. And yeah. I think all of us have some of those kinds of places. Um, where were you, where were you originally, you know, like born, raised and tell me a little bit about your family of origin yeah. and all that. Well, I was born in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and because my dad was a pastor, we moved a lot. So I kind of grew up in Kentucky, Indiana. Um, we lived uh, Tennessee for a bit. So when I was in high school, I was in Dixon, Tennessee for okay. most of my high school. Uh, and then moved to Trevecca. But we've, uh, gosh, they spent time in Florida. I've, I've lived in North Carolina. I've been all kind of all over the places. Nice. So when you when you meet not just pastors, but I think Nazarene pastors, it mm-hmm. seems like there's a lot of moving around. And so that was definitely my life for, for many, many years. Yeah. Uh, however, I have lived just myself. I've lived in Springfield, Ohio for over 21 years now. It's, uh, wow, it's, I'm, nice. I'm the, I'm the long-termer of the family, I guess, and I stay in one place. I, I've traveled so much and I remember um, uh, going with the Trevecca basketball team to a, a Cedarville basketball game because yeah. we organized a, an alumni event around that. And uh, apropos of, of nothing at this point, just remembering places that I've stayed and, and, and traveled to and all that. Springfield is a really interesting town and it probably has one of the coolest courtyards by Marriott mm-hmm. of anywhere I've ever stayed for that, for that brand. You know, yeah. it's an older building that they made a, a really cool hotel out of it. And uh, so Springfield for 21 years, what yeah. took you there? I went as a youth pastor actually. And while I was there, our, senior pastor left and our music pastor left and they needed somebody to do music. And um, when I went, the church didn't even know I did music. I just yeah. kind of went uh, as as following a call. I wasn't sure why, um, but I felt like I was supposed to be there. Um, and then little by little, um, yeah, it, it led into other things. And I've, I've been on staff. I still am on staff part-time at that church at Home Road Church of the Nazarene. Um, but it's evolved into other things over the years. So they gave me permission probably close to 15 years ago now to where when I have an invite, I'm allowed to go and do concerts and other places. And that allowed me the freedom to do things um, not only at my local church and have a base there, um, because often when you're doing music, it is during the week. It's not always on Sunday. (laughs) Um, So I get to be at church a lot of the time. Uh, but it enabled me to, I knew I was supposed to be doing more with songwriting and kind of broadening that ministry. Wow. So it enabled me to do some stuff with Lifeway Worship here in town with Craig Adams, you know, a few years ago. And we did an album with Lifeway called Hymns, Prayers, and Invitations. So that opened up some more doors of doing like congregational worship music, not only at my church, but in other churches. And um, I, I played at uh, one or two of the National Worship Leader conferences, you know, when they came through. And then that happened here at Trevecca a few years back, right. too. Yeah. And so it all kind of overlaps. Um, but but I have been, yeah, at that same church with those good people in Springfield for a long time. They put up with me. That's beautiful. It's <laughs> so. beautiful. Um, I know you. I know you at least play guitar and piano uh-huh. because I've seen that in your video. Which came first? Did you play the piano or the guitar first? Guitar definitely came first. I I tried piano as a kid, but I just didn't take to it. I always feel like if you're a musician, you have to find that instrument that <clears throat> clicks for you before the other ones do. And uh, I mean, I had tried violin as a kid. I tried trombone. I tried. You know, I wanted to do other things, but when I was about 15 at Camp Garner Creek, right on, you know, my dad was pastor in that church. Um, they paid for me to get guitar lessons and I started playing then. And I just took to it like a, a duck to water, as they say, it was just Fantastic. really, I felt like at the time it was the only thing I was good at, you know, it was just kind of like, wow, this is great. I finally found my niche. And that opened me up to piano and harmonica, and mandolin, and you know, banjo, all these different love other it. instruments. So, uh, but definitely guitar came first. It's kind of my first love musically. Did you uh, did you find yourself just wanting to play all the time? Oh yeah, yeah. And being so far out in the country, for the listeners who might know where 
<laughs> Camp Garner Creek is. Um, I mean, it was it was a good. Uh, the the joke is we we were so far out in the country we go toward town to hunt. You know, type I love thing. that joke. So that's, that's, yes. that's the old joke. I love I, it. I can't yeah. remember who said it now, but that, <laughs> it felt like that. You know, so there wasn't a lot to do other than you know when I wasn't mowing grass or in the dish room. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, sometimes three, four hours a day, I would just sit and play. I just loved it so much. And I wanted to be like a, a career studio musician, but uh, I'm, I'm still not good enough to do that. Those guys are amazing when they come in and play. Well, it's the guitar has, you know, its own unique way of connecting to a listener's ear. Every instrument has the capacity to be sort of experienced in different ways mm-hmm. by listeners, but yeah. Uh, I I have to admit that guitar music, I play piano a little bit, and mm-hmm. I love to hear great uh, keyboardists. But I don't know. There's something about a guitar that just has an expression, mm-hmm. an expressive ability all its own, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, so I grew up. I'm a, I'm a little bit older than you, but um, I I grew up listening um, to a, a brand of music that could could be. I guess led by, headlined by Glenn Campbell, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the '60s and '70s, um, Glenn Campbell and Eddie Arnold and people like that. Yeah. Um, a little bit country, but very melodic, and mm-hmm. and and you could add strings to it. And it was, yeah. but you know, like Glenn Campbell. I mean, is is he somebody that you have? Yeah. Who, who were your guitar influences? Well, That's what I want to know. I did like Glenn Campbell's playing. He was a little bit probably before my time sure. when he was popular, but I got to be a fan of his when I found out like what a versatile musician he was. So he was playing, uh, you know, in, in recording studios, I think in California back in the sixties and seventies on so many like famous yeah. sessions. And yeah. I, I think he played on some of the famous beach boys. Oh yeah. Definitely like beach that. boys. Yeah. yeah. But, um, so you wouldn't suspect it, you know, when no, no, Rhinestone no. Cowboy, yeah. but he played on a lot of hits that were yeah. not even his hits. You right. Know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I I loved country guitar players like Vince Gill and Ricky Skaggs and Steve mm. Warner and people like that. Yeah. And I would try to play like Chet Atkins as much as I could. Oh, man, but, yeah. Um, so I, I kind of dabble at a lot of those things. But then there was a real kind of a rock and roll side to it that I liked as well. Yeah. So. I would listen to, you know, it was kind of scandalous back then, but Jimi Hendrix, you know, I'd kind yeah. of sneak that kind of yeah. music in to try to learn. Um, I loved Eric Clapton and oh. bluesy type musicians sure. of that era, yeah. Stevie Ray Vaughan. Um, so I just, I just loved anything with the guitar. So at one point or another, um, music kind of shifted to where the focus became singers that could play and sing, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't just that they were good singers. Yeah. Um, like then when, by the time Brad Paisley came around several years ago and that guy could play anything on guitar, right. I mean, and, and even would do instrumental albums. Uh, it was like, yes, that's, you know, this, <laughs> I, this is the kind of music I like, you know, I love that. Um, Stephen Curtis Chapman became a big influence cause he's, I'm not sure a lot of people know, what an a versatile musician he is outside of just the songwriting. I yeah, I was going to say player. he's he is probably one of the more underrated guitarists. Mm-hmm. You know, for singer-songwriters that yeah. that we're all aware of, we we think about the great songs, but man, I, I I've seen him live several mm-hmm. times and and even in subsequent years, you know, you'd see things that he's recorded. I mean, guy, yeah. he is a virtuoso. You yeah. right? Yeah, yeah no doubt. And, and on so many instruments, he'll come yeah. out and grab a dobro and play in the middle of a rock song. And you're like, well, yeah. that sounds great. You know, so, yeah, it's good. I, I remember, uh, as, you know, as a teen, uh, David Gates and Bread. And I don't know if that mm-hmm. name means anything to you at all. But David Gates was a son of a Baptist or Assembly of God pastor. Mm-hmm. And he's lead singer for Bread. And he, you know, wrote a lot of their songs. And But I think I... I think I remember this correctly. I think he played 17 different instruments wow, and played wild. them well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you were talking about how learning guitar then allowed you, yeah. you know, to start learning other instruments yeah. as well. That's that's so cool. What's the what's the first song you ever wrote? Oh my goodness! I, you don't want to hear the first one I ever wrote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I remember playing one. Um, I couldn't even remember the song now, but I think it was called Almighty was the name of Almighty. it. I remember playing it for my church. Um, and I didn't know quite 
what went into songwriting at yeah. all. I'm still learning at this point, you know, decades later, but um, it was not something that was probably a very good song, but it meant a lot to me, and I was expressing my faith as a teenager. I awesome. remember doing that in church, and I remember a lot of encouragement from church people when I, when I played it. Um, and I also learned that a lot of guitarists suffer from uh, sounding like Bob Dylan when they're learning to play and sing. Uh, I, I remember that was one of the first comments. You sound like Bob Dylan, and I went, "I do." You know, so I had to I had to learn to like some vocal techniques. I wouldn't sound like this when I sang all the time. But you know, it's just it's kind of interesting for me. You have to work not to sound that way sometimes because you're so wrapped up. But. Uh, but yeah, that so that would have been probably the first song. Um, That's cool. But I I don't even know where the lyrics would be. Well, at that I want to get into a couple of songs that you've written, you know, uh, um, as as we go along, and and maybe one here in just a minute. But um, you're here in Nashville, mm-hmm. came down from Springfield, Ohio, and I I know this, but I'm setting this up because I want you to. Uh, it, it's going to allow us to to talk a little bit about you know some of the reasons why we're involved in some of the things that we are. So mm-hmm. just tell the folks what brought you to Nashville on this particular trip. Okay. What a lot of people don't know about me is I run a Twitter account called, you can find it at Mr. Rogers say, it, it, I was going to call it Mr. Rogers says, but I ran out of letters on Twitter, so I couldn't do it all. Um, but that is a site where every day I just put out quotes from Fred Rogers. Wow. He used to do Mr. Rogers neighborhood. Um, it just caught on and grew and grew and grew. It has like, I, I don't know, well over 90,000 followers at this point. Just a Is lot that of right? Oh, yeah, just so many people. And I have, uh, I, one day, you know, celebrities, Pink will retweet it, tweet it or something. And then I have, you know, 500 more followers or Zachary Levi, you know, he'll That's retweet That's wonderful. Something. Yeah, it's just amazing. And it's a very kind community. Um, so at the time of our recording on, on the 20th of March, uh, it would have been Fred Rogers 95th birthday. Nice. So there is a special album being released uh, today. It's, it's a deluxe edition of some stuff that's been done in the past. Um, and this is a new edition. And so there's artists doing the music of Fred Rogers. So it's everybody diverse as um, Jackie Velasquez, Sandy Patty, Lee Greenwood, John Cicada, um, uh, I, I, the, the list is really long and I, I can't, I think Ricky Skaggs is on this That's one. Amazing. Um, Kelly, uh, Pickler. Uh, so anyway, tonight is an event at the Steinway piano gallery because, uh, Fred Rogers played Steinway pianos. Mm. Um, and a friend of mine who produced this album, he's kind of putting on this event and he's really leading the charge of trying to get Fred Rogers music into the Great American Songbook, which is oh. which is usually like you know these jazz standards and yeah. things that come. But Fred Rogers was so prolific. But because I have such a large presence related to Fred Rogers, which I love, I love being associated with that kind of <laughs> kindness. Um, usually, um, the, they'll reach out when there's a project or something like that going on. So I'm I'm kind of here today to celebrate the life of Fred Rogers on what would have been his 95th birthday. I love that. That's very and they're cool. going to have some wonderful musicians there tonight, and I'm just looking forward to kind of good for you, sitting man. and watching and being a part of it. So yeah. I I came for one day just to be a part of this and, uh. and to visit. With with you <laughs> that, well that's uh, i'm i'm honored uh to, to have you here um on the pod i it, i'm still relatively you know new at the game i'm, I'm working on that and uh and, and all but i i i want to talk a little bit about why i'm doing this because it relates to a song that you wrote but mm-hmm. why why are why are you podcasting why are you doing okay you know, the Twitter thing that you're doing, what, what's some of the background for why you got involved in it? Well, I started, um, I have a couple of podcasts I do. One is called, my main one is called Voices in My Head, the Rick Lee James podcast, which we now have over 500 episodes on unbelievably. That's amazing. Um, and I originally started that because when I was doing music, I felt like it would be a good way to kind of be an extension to that for uh, me to not only get more of a presence and, and to meet more people, but also it was a way that I could just meet people that interest me. And, sure. and so I have had 
over the years, um, the reason I call it Voices in My Head is I didn't want to be stuck to just one topic. Sure. So we've had uh, one of my favorite episodes was, if you've seen the movie Groundhog Day, yeah. the the actor Stephen Tobolowsky played um, Ned Ryerson, Ned the insurance salesman. Um, and he's been in so many movies, TV Watch shows. Out for that first step, it's a, it's a doozy. doozy. Exactly. Um, well, he he wrote a great book called My Adventures with God. Really? About, about his kind of recapturing his Jewish faith. And yeah. so uh, when he was doing that book, like I was like, I want to talk to him and, and hear yeah. him. So episodes like that have become for me like some of my very favorites because they're really mm. people that are involved in, whether it be songwriters I have on, uh, whether it be... Um, actors or authors or sometimes pastors and occasionally it's just me with things on my heart things in my mind Um, I just love doing that and I love meeting people and kind of picking their brains and matter of fact uh, last week I recorded an episode with Shane Claiborne who would be somebody you would really love uh, and I've had Shane on a couple times and he has a new book that's you know about rethinking life and and rethinking not just from the aspect of being pro-life about babies being born, but what does it mean from womb to tomb, really being Christians who honor life and the life that God gives. So conversations like that have been, you know, so meaningful. And that's, that's one reason I do that podcast. And the other one, you got voices in in my head. Mm -hmm. And then there's a second Um, one. The other one is related to the Fred Rogers stuff. It's called welcome to the neighborhood. And, uh, and I've had a number of people that, we're not only just influenced and like people that I mentioned that are on the album tonight, they've come on and, and talked, but uh, people that knew Fred Rogers or, or people that have written books about him, artists that do like children's books related to that. So that's been kind of another fun outlet, but um, that's, that's just been, those are the two podcasts I do, uh, but Voices on My Head is the most regular one. Every Wednesday, a new episode comes yeah. out. When I run a clip of uh, your, your song that, Talks about loving your enemies. It, it, what's the exact title? It's of called Love Our Enemies. Yeah, Love your enemies. So. Love our enemies. Mm-hmm. So we're we're gonna play a, a little clip of that song, and then I'll okay. come back and talk to you about it a little bit. Okay. Okay. God has made this declaration through His Son the of peace If we will enter in His kingdom We must love our enemies Lord, deliver us from hatred Prejudice and cruelty Remove discrimination That the truth may set us free Lord, and make a creation So, Rick, um, when I first started thinking about this um, podcast idea, mm-hmm. it was actually sort of a part of a progression of things that I've been thinking about for a long time. I mean, emotionally, um, dispositionally, I often have found myself in between people, you know, on the on the edges, you know, the mm-hmm. of or polar opposites or extremes or. Mm-hmm find myself being friends with people who aren't friends with each other and, yeah. and things like that. And so, you know, I, I, there's nothing heroic in any of that. It's just kind of how I've found myself. And so this podcast, Michael in the middle is not just about trying to take a middle road. Um, theologically, you know, J- Jesus was, was on a cross between two yeah. extremes, so to speak mm-hmm. the cross. was in the middle of, of, of you know, human history. And, and that, so there's a little bit of theological underpinnings to all of that. But um, this song, Love Our Enemies, it just really hit me beautifully. I, mm. I, I believe that we ought to be able to get along better, even if we don't agree, yeah. you know? And so 
What I would like to know in terms of the creative process, where did that song come from? How long did it take to write? What, what's been, tell, tell me about that song and, and maybe some of its impact. Well, thanks for that question, actually. Um, I think it came from originally me just struggling through the hard teachings of Jesus. You know, how, how do you love your enemies, really? You know, um, it's it's hard enough to love the people you love sometimes <laughs> um, to go into a, a whole other area of, I think, the spirit of it and what Jesus is offering us is not just that we love in word, but in action in a way that we hope and pray that our enemies could actually become no longer enemies, but actually friends, you know, that there could be a transformation not only in them, but in us, too. You know, that, that maybe the ones that we've forgotten how to love are our enemies. Maybe it's not so much them forgetting how to love us. So I wrote it initially as, as kind of a hymn. I wanted it to be like a modern hymn that we could sing. And it had a lot of different structures to it in the beginning. But I knew I wanted it to be in a structure that hopefully churches could sing and, and find some place in their congregations. Um, so the original feel of it had a, had a very hymn-like feel for lack of a better word it could have been something you would hear from like a wesley song or something yeah. like that uh, but then that didn't feel right funny story about this was because so often you're writing songs and you don't always realize what you're being influenced by when i went into the studio to record that in new york um the guys started listening and they said this melody sounds because uh, i had changed it two or three times and they yeah said, they said this melody um sounds an awful lot like what a beautiful name it is. The, the, <laughs> and, and I listened and I went, oh man, it does. So I, I had to change it again in the studio to make yeah. it kind of what it was. Yeah. Uh, so it was literally like being rewritten, you know, five, six, seven, eight times before it was in the final form. And I'm so glad they caught it when it was in the studio. Certainly, yeah. Because sometimes you'll go in with a song. I, I've heard other artists say that and to my knowledge that's the first time it happened to me in that way but i was like oh no I, it's too similar so we got to change it but the way that it that it turned out um, i didn't know when i was releasing it that we would be in such a kind of pivotal moment as a nation yeah. where um at the time that the video came out i think we were right in the midst of george floyd happening we're in the midst of you know uh, people yelling on one side to the other you know there's republicans here democrats right. here never the twain show not only meet but even talk to each other right. you know yeah. um and it just felt like making the music video the way it was was important to like show things that were happening in our world at the time so there's all kinds of, of riots going on in the video there's people with picket signs there's you know just it's kind of a a glimpse into where we were as a culture at that moment. So that I felt like the music video was just as important, like as the song, it, it felt like a time capsule, you know, yeah. in the moment where we were. Uh, and in fact, when we recorded the video for the song, we were kind of in the midst of the pandemic still. And we were, some of us not even sure if we wanted to be in the same room without mm -hmm. masks on when we were recording. And we were still trying to figure out how do we, how do we love each other? Well, you know, in this yeah. time, there was not a vaccine. There was not any, you know, yeah. like it was still so new. Nobody knew what to do exactly. And that's a, that was a very eerie feeling. I mean, we all that lived through it, will always remember that kind of like, should I be breathing the same air right now? Mm -hmm. And, so there, there was just so many questions swarming through, but all of it was about struggling with that teaching of Jesus. You know, what, what does it mean to, to love those people who we've forgotten how to love? And how do yeah. we actually live out the, the, the true call of Jesus? And I don't think it's just a metaphor. I think he really wants us to try to do that. And Yeah, I, I think about this a lot uh, as more and more friendships have been made available to me by people who do not necessarily follow after mm -hmm. Christ. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they represent different religions or no religion at all. Mm -hmm. And man, I want to be the kind of person that represents who Jesus really is mm -hmm. in, in a way that would be winsome or enticing to them as opposed to a further dividing mm -hmm. line, yeah. you know? And I, I wonder sometimes how we're doing on that front, but don't want to get too bogged down on that. I just really like yeah. the song. Well, thank you. And uh, congratulations on the 
a really fine production of it. Tell me about the band. Who's in that room with you that wasn't sure they wanted to be together? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the band was uh, mostly made up of people from my church back in Springfield, Ohio. They're not the ones that are playing on the album. Yeah. Uh, on the album, uh, most of the musicians, uh, I played several of the instruments, and then the ones that were not me were, there's a band called Brothers McClurg, which are, are okay. really great out of New York. And I recorded in their, in their studios, Old Bear Recording Studio. Nice. And um, so it was kind of a, a, a different sort of flavor. And and Old Bear and and them, they they actually were just a part of this producing this new Rich Mullins album that just came out, Bellsburg, um, with UTR Media. So um, there's a lot of intersect with like people in Nashville and my friends in New York and kind of everybody all. And you're together. right there in the middle I'm of right it. Right there in, Ohio, in the middle right? of it in Ohio. <laughs> um, so we had a different crew in the studio than we had in the video, yeah. but everybody learned their parts and came in and played, and um, it was it was a great way and it gave some ownership to everybody too i feel like when we did it you know getting in the middle of things like this and i'm obviously because of the name of the podcast but also just my own natural bent toward things being in the middle of a situation or or being in between two extremes in terms of schools of thought and all of that that's not a lukewarm stance you know Mm -hmm. i mean i know like biblical admonition from jesus i'd rather you'd be hot or cold Mm -hmm. um you know, I, I think, I think it takes a lot of resolve sometimes to be in the middle of people yeah. in the middle of situations. Um, and there has to be some sort of ballast there, you know, to use a, a, a term from, you know, being out on the water. And, and if, if, if you don't, if you don't have that balance in the middle, the yeah. thing that helps keep you afloat, you know, you, you can, you can take on water from one side yeah, or the other. You know? That's true. I, I, uh, I think it takes a lot of commitment to try to stand in between situations and, and people and, and uh, whether that's been your intention or not, the, the messages of your music seem to have indicated that, that that's kind of where you, you find yourself a lot of times. You yeah. Know? Well, thank you for that. I think, I think I do. And, and you know, it's, it's not even always, I don't think we can always stay in that middle ground, right. but I think there are ways to figure out where if we can speak the truth in love, we can maybe for the people we would consider enemies for their own good. If, if we would ask that question, what would love require of us, you yeah. know, in those moments, you know, um, sometimes, sometimes you're right. It's just trying to be in that central spot, but sometimes it's right. also wherever side we have to pick. How the, do we do that? Lovingly? Yeah, the the, yeah. Uh, the the analogy that I would draw for what I I see the middle as being a bridge between yeah. two sides of a chasm or a mm. river or whatever, and and sometimes you're stretched all the way out on both sides, mm-hmm. but you're standing there in the middle, giving people an opportunity to yeah. you know walk back and forth across you yeah. know toward each other, and, and um, yeah, I mean I I don't. I have very strong opinions about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I try to never let those get in the way of an opportunity to have a constructive conversation yeah. about any issue, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I, and I do get accused sometimes of, of being, mm-hmm. you know, a, bit of, a little bit wishy-washy or whatever, you know, because yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be in that, in that place, mm-hmm. but love, love our enemies is a, it's a great and wonderful message, um, and I, I appreciate it very much. Tell me about your family. Where'd you Where'd you meet your wife? And uh, at my church, actually, yeah, <laughs> in Springfield, Ohio. Yeah, in Springfield, Ohio. Yeah, and uh, this is going to be, um, yeah, th- this month actually is going to be another anniversary for us. So awesome. Uh, so that's an exciting thing, and we have um, one son named Alex. He's ten. And uh, we just, boy, we love that kid to death. And um, and then we have, um, we have. He will tell you sometimes he has four brothers and sisters in heaven um, that didn't four. make it. Yeah, yeah. We had a is number that, of losses. Is that yeah. uh, well? Let's let's talk about that a little bit mm-hmm. because you there's another beautiful song. Um, was it based on a psalm or mm-hmm. is it just? Uh, the, the, I know that the subtitle the, the is The Babies is, We Lost. Yeah, the, the chorus is based on the 23rd Psalm, just the Lord is our shepherd walking through us through the, the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the song, we 
we have had the misfortune that a lot of people have had of uh, losing babies before they were born, you know. Um, and that's a, a very painful loss. And sometimes it's it's a loss that gets forgotten because people never met the baby. Mm-hmm. You know, we're the only ones that, especially, especially uh, if you have a spouse that has carried a child and then lost it. Um, it is a significant loss uh, to, to the mother, especially, because I, I can't even... Those of us who are fathers probably can't even relate to that depth of loss of having a living being inside of you and 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 having to very heartbreakingly say goodbye when you didn't want to, you know. Mm-hmm. So we we've gone through that four times, and uh, my my wife has uh, four different rings on her her fingers mm-hmm. with the the names of those children, and then one with uh, our son who is here with us. Um, all of their names and the the dates, you know, when when we lost them, and um, I was just trying to find a way to kind of work through some of my grief that I was going through and that my wife was going through, and um, I just wrote this song that really is a letter to the babies that we lost. Um, what would I what would I say to them, um, and and what what do I want to say to them as they are with God right now, and um, and so the. The verses are telling them about, you know. Um, well, I tell you what. Yeah, I tell you what. I'd like to do. Mm-hmm. Let's play. Let's play a couple of minutes of that song, and then we'll come back and talk about it. If the Lord is our shepherd, and He's walking with us through the valley of the shadow of death, and though the long dark night is swallowing us. He will not give up what is His. He restores our soul. We never met you, but we love you. We never met you, but we love you. Rest in the arms of him who loves you Lean on the everlasting arms We never met you but we love you We never met you but we love you Rest in the arms of him who loves you If the Lord is our shepherd, then he is walking with us Through the valley of the shadow of death And though the long dark night is swallowing us He will not give up what is his He restores our soul Wow, it's a beautiful song and a a challenging word, you know, because sometimes words just fail, you know. I think that's one of the beauties of music. You can you can sing things that are hard to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and you put it with a beautiful melody like you did on that piano. By the way, it's a beautifully shot video as Thank well. You. Thank you. So, I mean, I know it's hard to put an overlay on those kinds of experiences. Mm-hmm. Like where you would have something that, let's say somebody's listening right now and either they personally have experienced this type of loss or you know, someone close to them or, you know, a grandparent whose adult children have lost a child like this. Yeah. But what do you, what do you say to somebody who's experienced this kind of loss? You know, you carry a, carry a child. I mean, it's one, it's one thing to miscarry during the term, but you know, for people whose 
babies are born, you know, stillborn or, yeah. or they die shortly after. I mean, I, I just, yeah. I'm a wreck thinking about it. It's what, terrible. how did you, how did you walk through that? And how have you helped, have you been able to help some other people who've experienced similar loss? Uh, I, I sure hope I have. Um, <laughs> I, I can still remember that being, um, one occasion in particular when we were in the hospital and you get that news that, sorry, the heartbeat's just not there anymore. And, um, it's the worst. It's just the, the, it's the most terrible thing. There are no words. And I can remember just holding my wife and just praying the 23rd Psalm, not knowing what else to do at that point. Little did I know that a few years later, where I am now, um, the Lord is over this last couple of years called me into hospital chaplaincy work. So I'm, I'm currently until August of this year, I'm, I'm finishing my, my year of residency at a hospital. Wow. And, and so I'm, I'm, things are very busy right now with that, but I've been doing uh, clinical pastoral education, CPE. And one thing that I've had the chance to do, and I didn't know I would have the chance to do this is we, a couple times a year um, at a cemetery nearby the hospital, we actually have a service for parents who lost babies. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're stillborn, sometimes there's cases like ours, but we do a service um, at the cemetery in a specific spot where their children are. And they have mm. little headstones for each one. Mm. And I've had the opportunity to sing that song with my guitar at those services mm. outside. And last time we did it, it was super cold and windy and it was gonna snow, but it was significant for those parents and those families to be able to come and gather around and just for us to be able to say to them, these lives really mattered and they don't just matter to you, they matter to us. And as, as I sing this song with my own questions and talking about my experience going through this, um, the way that has helped me is just to be reminded um, that they are resting in arms that are greater than mine. And, uh, and I hope I'll have the chance, whatever, whatever the other side of eternity looks like, I trust that they are well taken <laughs> care of. And I trust that one day I will see them. Yeah. And I don't know if that means I'll get to hold them one day. <laughs> I don't know what the, I just, we don't know. We haven't been there. So no. I don't know what the other side of no. eternity looks like. But whatever form that takes, however God allows that to happen, um, I trust that just as my grandparents gone before, just as people we love have gone before, that, that we are all in those everlasting arms. Mm. We are right now on this side of eternity. We just don't always realize it. Yeah. But yeah. we are held. And so um, I have had several opportunities to be with families who are going through that loss and sometimes just being there because there really are no words. But I think God's answer to suffering is not an answer like this is why. I think God's answer to suffering is I'm here. That's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Grief is a huge part of life. I mean, it it, it finds us all at mm-hmm. some point. Yeah. But so does joy. Yeah. What are what are some of the things that are giving you great joy right now, aside from celebrating Fred Rogers' yeah. 95th birthday, you know? <laughs> That's pretty joyful. That is yeah, pretty cool. I, I do yeah. like that. Um yeah, I, you know, my family gives me a lot of joy. Um, I really am enjoying hospital chaplaincy right now. Okay. I, I never thought that was in the cards for me. I didn't even know what it was. Um, but I have, I feel like I've become a different person through the training I'm receiving, through being in, in rooms with people every day. Um, and I'm, I'm getting a lot of joy in looking at ministry in a different way than I ever did all these years. I, I used to think of witnessing as being a person who proclaimed, let me tell you about Jesus. But what I have discovered, and I think there's an ambiguity, an ambiguousness even in the scripture when it says, go and be witnesses. I think we can also read that as not just go tell somebody. It can also be read as go listen to someone. Yeah. Witness yeah. them. And so much of what I'm doing in hospital chaplaincy work is I am a ministry of presence where I witness them. And I, and I hear their lives um, because Matthew 25, whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. So I am learning to discover that behind every eye, behind your eyes as I'm sitting here, are the eyes of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And every hospital room encounter I walk into, I've had to shift my paradigm from where I hope they see Jesus in me to 
how am I going to meet with Jesus today yeah. and that person? It might be that Jesus is cussing me out and throwing stuff at me when I walk in the room, <laughs> yeah. you know. But there is yeah. something underneath that, yeah. that person that's made in the image of God. There's yeah. there's something to that anxiety that's that's underneath there. And we will see as we minister to those people that Jesus is there in those situations. And mm-hmm. uh, so I'm honestly, that's that's taking up so much of my life right now yeah. doing that work, even getting the time off to come down here this week. Because um, if anybody's been in a residency program, it's a it's a pretty solid year of you know, like just doing that. Um, but that's given me a lot of joy. And I am currently writing uh, songs about my encounters that I hope is going to turn into an album. Cool. Um, I released a song uh, last this past summer called As I Walk These Halls, which was about hospital chaplaincy work. And so I'm hoping that there'll be a full album by the time I'm done uh, that I want to call As I Walk These Halls that'll tell some of these stories of encounters of where I've met Jesus in the hospital, you know, so. What's... Uh... What's the funniest thing that's happened to you so far? Oh my goodness! As a chaplain, I mean, obviously in 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 yeah. hospitals, there's a lot of sadness and grief that happens. Yeah. But I know there's some funny stuff too from time to time. <laughs> this this is what struck me funny. This was I heard it secondhand, so I think I'm safe okay. to tell it. I don't know all the <laughs> uh, yeah. HIPAA laws. I want to be careful what I tell. Sure. But we had a a, a patient in one of our hospitals that um, didn't think he was going to get through the surgery that he was going to die. And when he survived it, he woke up very upset (laughs) and he started yelling at the doctors and the nurses and everybody. And, and it was just, I was one of those situations like, that's interesting. He's mad that he lived through this, you know? (laughs) So, uh, human emotions are, are very interesting, especially when you're coming out of anesthesia. So there's been situations like that. I don't know how funny this is, but nothing can quite prepare you for the amount of, uh, uh, unclothed people you're going to walk in on from time to time, which is not always very funny. You're you're kind of like, am I in the right room? But, you know, there are funny, humorous situations that happen. Let me show you the scar. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, yeah, you you never... (laughs) That's okay. You don't have to show me, but, you know, people feel very free. You ever seen anything like that? (laughs) Not since the last time, but yeah, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Rick, um, with your music, with your chaplaincy work, with just your your daily living, what's what really is the motivator now? What what do you for people who've never met you before? What mm-hmm. what would you want people to know? Um, you know, obviously, it just flows out of you to talk about your faith and your relationship with the Lord. But what are some what's one or two other things that you You'd really like for people to know that's at the heart of what you hmm. you could if there's if if you could just wave a wand and yeah. and some things could happen that what what are what are what are some things like that that, that drive you each day? Well, that's a really good question. Um, I think I'm finding that um, not delaying and doing what it is you're being led to do is very important. Okay, like there there is some. There is some wisdom in waiting sometimes if there's like, you know, something controversial that's happening. Um, But I think on the other hand, it's actually a good thing not to put off things too long um, because I'm I'm discovering um, there are there are things that need tending to in my own life. And, And one thing that I've learned as a chaplain, which I think will apply to everything I'm doing now, is we have to be present to self first and then we can be present to the presence and then we can be present to others, and yeah. then we can help others be present to the presence. Um, but if we can't learn to be present to ourselves and the things that we're going through in, in our time and, and learning to, to get to that, why am I experiencing these sensations and thoughts and urges and feelings in me? What is this disruption that's going on? It's much better to, to look into it and deal with it than it is to put it off and keep burying it and burying it and making things worse. So if if I had, you know, any advice like magic wand, it, sure. would, it would probably be what I am learning is stop putting it off. Do as much as you can do the hard thing you've got to do when you need yeah. to do it. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm discovering that for me, um, that has opened up 
whole new things in life. I used to suffer from migraines a lot. Mm. I would get them, you know, four or five times a week. And there, what I didn't realize is there was some traumas I was holding on to. And whenever through this chaplaincy process, I started learning about those things that I was holding on to that I didn't even know was there. And I rarely have a migraine anymore. It's amazing the way that's fantastic. And and I attribute it to partially doing the hard thing and you know taking those steps. And I I hope that was a decent answer to your question. No, it's great. I think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful. It's been great having you, man. Good to be and, here. And uh, I'm glad we were able to share some of your music with, with people. Tell people how to get in touch with you. You know, yeah, just uh, sure. look over yeah. there in the camera and, and uh, you know, tell them. <laughs> I, I, want, I want people to, to be able to be aware of these different things that you're sure. putting out there. Do you, like, do you have your own website? I or, do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, RickLeeJames.com uh, is the best way probably to find all information about me. Um, I already mentioned the Mr. Rogers Twitter. If you use Twitter, um, it's just at Mr. Rogers Say, S-A-Y. And then, um, but yeah, I just say rickleejames.com. I used to have rickjames.com, but because of the other Rick James, uh, I had to put my middle name in there because there was too much confusion online. <laughs> You're not Rick James, you know? But um, yeah, so rickleejames.com. And also, thank you for having me today. This was so nice to be able to have this conversation. I love it. And I... I... I think uh, we talked about it. You're, you know, probably be able to share this on your on your podcast yes. as well. Yeah. So maybe it'll uh, maybe we'll have an opportunity to introduce each other to, uh, you know, people we haven't met yeah, yet. Yeah, you know, so audience. to speak. Yeah, yeah I, I, I love that. I I don't think there's a way to get too much good out there into the world. Hmm. There's enough. There's enough, and people who've listened to my podcast it probably, you know, can predict about. Uh, half of what I'm going to say toward the end, but it's <laughs> it's important to me to encourage people in all walks of life mm-hmm. to just get out there in the middle and, of doing something good for somebody else. It it makes a difference for the world, but it makes a difference for us too in yeah. the process. There there is a very real sense in, in which the good that we do on behalf of another person does come back you know, home to roost. I, I really do believe that. And uh, it it's a healthier way to live. It's a happier way to live. And uh, it's a more healing way to live too. And you're doing that, man. Congratulations. Great to have you, bro. Thank you. Good yeah. to be with you today. Thank you so much. That's episode 31. And uh, it's been uh, it's been great to have you here. We'll uh, see you. See you down the road. Thank you for joining me here this week on Voices in My Head. Music on the intro and outro of this show is from my single, As I Walk These Halls, which can be streamed on any streaming platform, including Spotify. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleyjames.com where you can find out more about me, get my music on vinyl and CD, schedule me for a concert, a speaking engagement, a podcast, or even a book signing in your neighborhood. Also, it would mean a great deal to me if you could write a review of this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. The more positive reviews we receive, the more visible this podcast will be. And now, the benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.